Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. When that great and final day comes and we're standing before the Lord giving an account recompensed according to all that we have done in this life, only that which was done for Jesus Christ will have any lasting and eternal value. Puts it into perspective, doesn't it? It's a prioritizing of our lives here on earth in this temporal world, which is just a vapor. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. What have you done today that holds eternal value? As Pastor J.D. will remind us in today's message, Instead of being something that lies at the back of your mind, serving Jesus should be your top priority. This life is just a vapor in light of eternity. The temporary fleeting pleasures of this world should take second place to your calling to glorify God. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Philippians chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Philippians chapter 1, and our text will be verses 20 through 30. We'll begin in verse 20 where the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi and by the Holy Spirit says... I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, verse 21, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, verse 25, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, verse 27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one Spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. 
For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So, I want to talk with you today about fear. And why it is that we as Christians really have nothing to fear. In our text today, the Apostle Paul makes some rather astonishing claims concerning his having no fear, no fear of death, no fear of the future, and even no fear of the difficulty and hardships that oftentimes comes packaged with pain and suffering. To me, these are the big three, if you will. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we'd have to admit that oftentimes we're given over to fear in these particular areas. What I'm hoping to do in our time together here in Philippians is examine the claims that Paul makes, and in so doing, learn why, and perhaps even more importantly, learn how we too can live in such a fearless and joyful way. Let me say that, and I've been very candid and transparent concerning fear and my propensity in my own life to be prone to fear. And I have to say that this has been a tremendous encouragement to me here in Philippians 1, and I hope it will be for you as well. Let's first talk about the fear of death. It's interesting here in verses 20 and 21, Paul clearly did not fear death. In fact, it seems that he actually welcomed it. I mean, for him to say things like, I would rather die. (laughs) I mean, how morbid is that? Because for me to die is gain. But I'm kind of torn because I know that you need me because for me to live is Christ. And I'm, I'm sort of torn between the two. My heart is there. I long to be with the Lord, but I also know that for me to live is Christ. I suppose you could say, and I hope that this is another one of those things that I think the world has hijacked from. I know Arabs shouldn't use the word hijacked in an illustration, but truly the world has hijacked this from us. But this is a quintessential textbook case of win-win. To live is to win for Christ. To die is to gain with Christ. It's win-win. And this is what Paul is saying here. Now, the question is, how could he make such a claim? How could he say such a thing? I mean, is this for real? Yes, it is. You mean to tell me that Paul truly did not in any way fear death, but welcomed it? Absolutely. How is that possible? Because he lived for Christ and was surrendered to Christ. 
Maybe I can say it this way. Jesus Christ was the master passion of his life. One has suggested that we would do well to sort of fill in the blanks on our own concerning our own lives. More specifically in this regard. For me to live, fill in the blank. Well, of course it's, it's is it really? The question is, and I please hear my heart and know that in my own heart, the Lord searches my heart concerning this. Can I honestly, truly, before God, fill in that blank with Jesus Christ? Is Jesus Christ the master passion of my life? Because if Jesus Christ is the master passion of my life, then I will not fear death. Why? Because Jesus Christ defeated death. One of the most astonishing, I guess, for lack of a better word, passages to me in God's Word is in the first letter to the Corinthian church, chapter 15. The Apostle Paul is writing, and in verse 54 and 55, sort of, well, not sort of, he does. He taunts death. Listen to what he says. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. By the way, that is why it is so important that we celebrate in the communion table the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He had to rise again from the dead in order to defeat death, swallow up death in victory. And then he says, verse 55, and I love this, Where, O death, is your victory? O death, where is your sting? No longer does death have a sting a stinging defeat for the Christian, and so too should the Christian never fear death, but welcome it. The writer of Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, writes, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, speaking of Jesus, shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by, listen, their fear of death. I have to tell you that as a pastor, one of the hardest things for me to do is a memorial service where I don't know if they knew the Lord in a saving way. That is one of the most difficult memorial services to do. D.L. Moody said it best this way. He said, death may be the king of terrors, but Jesus is the king of kings. In other words, when we live for Jesus, 
death has no terror because of Jesus. He has swallowed up death in victory in the finished work on the cross. Death no longer holds that fear over us. Death no longer has that sting for us. But in order to say that, like the Apostle Paul, and have it be true in our lives, it presupposes that we have surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ. And it also presupposes that we are living our lives here in this world for Jesus Christ. C.T. Studd famously said it this way, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I'll tell you, that makes the hair on the back of my what little is left anyway, (laughs) stand on end. This is a very sobering truth, if you really think about it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writing again, says to the Corinthian church, basically this, there's going to be two fires. One, One of those fires is going to be to burn the wood, hay, and stubble, which represent the flesh, those things that were done in the flesh. They are of no value and they will be completely consumed. So we're all going to have that pile and some of our piles are going to be bigger than others. My pile is going to be huge by the way. Just, you know, and don't look at me all spiritual. Yours is going to be big too. So, but it's going to all be consumed. But then there's also going to be another pile. And this is going to be made up of gold, silver, and precious jewels. And that fire, instead of consuming it, will actually purify it and make it more valuable. I hope my pile, (laughs) that pile is bigger and more valuable and lasts. What are you saying, Pastor? Here's what I'm saying, and it's what the Apostle Paul is saying to us here this morning, that when it's all said and done, When that great and final day comes, and we're standing before the Lord giving an account, recompensed according to all that we have done in this life, only that which was done for Jesus Christ will have any lasting and eternal value. Puts it into perspective, doesn't it? It's a prioritizing of our lives here on earth in this temporal world, which is just a vapor. I was thinking about this actually a couple weeks ago. Uh, It was when I was having devotions with my daughter, and it hit me about eternity. And it's like the Lord just, you know how it is when sometimes the Lord just ministers something to you, and it's just like, whoa, whoa, Lord, whoa, 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 whoa. And what he ministered to me was, that eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and there will be no death. I will never die. 
I will never. I, I know trying to wrap your mind, and of course the Apostle Paul uh, assures us that there's no way we could ever possibly wrap our minds around what awaits and how that the suffering of this life, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, is not worthy to be compared with the glory that awaits. Well, this brings us to verses 22 through 26. And it's the matter of the fear of the future. This is striking to me. Verse 22, it seems that Paul understood that for him to go on living meant that he would still be fruitful in the future. It's really, um, um, it gives you a glimpse into the heart of the Apostle Paul for this church. I mean, he really loves this church there in Philippi. And I notice it when he says, I would rather go be with Jesus, but I know that you really need me, (laughs) because my being here will be fruitful for you, helpful for you. It seems that Paul knew what all of us should know, which is that God is not through with us, because he still has a future plan for us. We have a saying, it's kind of a proverb, even a prayer in the uh, Arabic language, my native tongue of Arabic, that goes basically like this. Lord, keep them for me and me for them. I oftentimes pray that for my family specifically, my wife, my children, keep them for me, keep me for them. They need me, and I need them too. And by the way, this is why you're still here. What do you mean? Listen, you will not take your last breath in this world and your first breath in eternity one day or one hour or one second sooner than that final day when you're finished when you finish the race. And God has now completed that which He had for you, and not one moment sooner. And this is why it is for the Christian, and certainly for the Apostle Paul, that he did not fear what the future holds. As has been said, he knows who holds the future. And God has a plan for me. Well, what is that plan? Well, Jeremiah 29, 11, a life verse for many. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Oh, Lord, what are those plans? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's what I have in store for you. That's what I have in store for you. Let me um, suggest something that maybe you've not thought of before. But did you know that your eternal life started the day you got saved? 
right? And I say that because from then on throughout all eternity, it's glory because you're saved. And you have heaven that awaits you. That's your future. That's your future. You know, we get, we always at the end of a year reflect on the previous year and, of course, with it, the upcoming year. And then, of course, there's no shortage of predictions, you know, for the upcoming year and year in review and the year ahead. And, of course, we always, you know, are so quick to make those New Year's resolutions, which last till about January the 3rd, in my case, which is why I don't make them anymore. But do you know what is in store for you in the new year? I I can make a prediction on the authority of God's Word and assure you that this is what is in store for you in 2019. Should the Lord tarry, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Until you take your last breath here, goodness, not bad. Yeah, but there's some bad Yeah, but God works them all together for the good. He'll never allow anything bad to happen to you unless it ultimately is for His glory and your good. He'll never let that happen. He cannot. That's not who He is. It is incompatible with the character and the nature of a loving God who loves you more than you will ever know. You'll you'll never know how much, how great is His love for you. He loves you so much. I was thinking about this when I was in California this last week, how much I just love my son who's in college over there. And I just gave him this huge hug when I, you know, went to pick him up and uh, take him to LA for the filming. And um, as he was sitting there in the car in the passenger seat, it was just almost surreal that, you know, because I miss him so much. And the Lord just ministered to me, do you know how much you love him? Oh Lord, I I love him so much. And then this is what the Lord spoke to me. It's not even, it's not even to be compared with how much I love you. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but we want to encourage you to continue studying the book of Philippians on your own. Spend time today in God's Word, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal something new about your Savior as you read. The Bible is filled with promises and lessons that apply to you right now, even though it was written long ago. You'll always benefit from time spent in Scripture. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Philippians 2, you can find them online at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Are you part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to make this a priority. A church family can be a source of support and encouragement, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. 
This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. Farag. You can find out more and get directions at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor JD's Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all the time we have for now. Thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true to 